Very good morning to each and every one of you. If if you have your Bibles with you, if you do not mind, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, where our text is taken from this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was found because God had translated him and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, I'd like to focus on a few words found inside this verse. And it says there, Before his translation, he pleased God. But before we look into the scriptures, let's seek God's blessings. Our Father, we thank thee for this opportunity that thou hast given for us to look into the holy scriptures. We pray, our Father, that thou would give me every enabling from above and that there would be a message for both speaker and hearer alike. We seek thy blessings in the Savior's name. Amen. And also, uh, one more text, please. If you could turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verses uh, 21 to 24. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now, you all will all know that about Enoch, that he was the man, one of the two men who did not die. God took him to heaven. And also, you will know that his son Methuselah was the oldest man that ever lived. He lived 969 years. Now, if you know the answer to this question, please raise your hands up. Do you know why Methuselah was the oldest man that ever lived? Why did Methuselah live Longer than any other man or woman in history. Well, we're going to look at it now and we will see the answer from scripture. Now, the first thing I would like you to notice uh, is uh, we will look from the beginning of chapter 5 and you will notice that uh, it gives us the generations of Adam uh, and uh, at the end of verse 3, you will notice that um, uh, one by one, each of these people died. Uh, At the end of verse 3, Adam died. And then uh, you can see at the end of verse 8, Seth died. And then each verse finishes, verse 11, and he died. Verse 14, and he died. Verse 15, and he died. And so on it goes until we come to Enoch, and it tells us 
at the end of verse 24, and he was not, for God took him. It is good for us to be ready to die. It is going to happen to every one of us at some point, unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns to take us to heaven. It is good for us to have all our affairs in order. It is good for us to have put matters right with friends, family, whatever outstanding issues there are. Because one day, mankind will have to face death and the judgment unless the Lord returns before. Now, I'd like you to notice here that early in the history of mankind, God was showing that it was possible for man to go to heaven without dying. Right at the dawn of human history, God was showing that it was possible for man to go to heaven without dying. You see, um, if you check the maths here in uh, chapter 5, you will see that before the death of Adam's son Seth, Enoch had been taken to heaven without dying at all. Before even Seth had passed away, right at the beginning of history, God had taken Enoch up to heaven. And why was it that God had taken Enoch up to heaven? Well, because he was a prototype of those who will not sleep, but will be changed and taken up to heaven. You see, there are two illustrations uh, given to us in scripture of the rapture. Now, the first illustration of the rapture is given to us in the first book of the Bible. The second illustration of the rapture is given to us in the last book of the Bible. Enoch was the first. The apostle John, he was the last illustration. Uh, when in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, you can read it later, there it tells us that John was summoned to enter a door that was opened in heaven. So both these uh, illustrations uh, are consistent with the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, in the first example, we will see that the flood is a picture of the tribulation. Uh, the next chapter from Genesis 5, Genesis 6, deals with Noah and the flood. And before the flood came, Enoch was taken up to heaven. And then John, he was transported to heaven before the details of the three tribulation uh, judgments were given in Revelation. So I would like us, in the few moments that we have this morning, to look at two aspects. One is, there are many lessons that we can learn from this man. And firstly, if you have not yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like to tell you about the judgment that is to come. But if you are a believer and you've already put 
your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like to encourage you this morning to lead a life pleasing to God. It tells us of Enoch, our first scripture reference that we looked at, before his translation, he pleased God. Now, the uh, verses about Enoch are compressed into a few uh, small sentences, but they hold many lessons for us. Let us look at uh, verse uh, 21 to 24 of Genesis chapter 5. Now it says here twice over that he walked with God. In verse uh, 22 we see that, and then um, we also see that in verse 24. And also, the New Testament equivalent of he walked with God, we saw it in Hebrews 11 verse 5, it tells us he pleased God. He walked with God, he pleased God. Now, those of us who are expecting the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ at any time, we will be wanting to lead lives that are pleasing to God. You see, we will do everything possible to make sure that in all aspects of our life, we are anticipating the soon coming arrival of our Lord and we want to please him in every possible way. You see, if you lead your life thinking that, uh, you know, he's going to come a little bit longer, already 2,000 years have gone after Christ, maybe, you know, a few more years, I will live and um, uh, I will take care of uh, my affairs a little later, uh, he won't come just now. If you live in that frame of mind, you will not be able to live a life pleasing to God. Now, uh, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 45, there is given to us an illustration of a man who lived thinking that my Lord delayeth his coming. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 45, it says, But and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, he shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken. You see, if you live with that frame of mind, that is what will happen to you. So you need to live your life expecting the arrival of our Lord very, very soon. And then when you live in the hope of his imminent return, then it will promote close French fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's go back to Hebrews, uh, sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. Uh, we notice firstly that Enoch was converted at the age of 65 years old. It tells us here that Enoch lived 65 years and beget Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he beget Methuselah. So he must have been 65 before he came to know about God and before he started leading a life pleasing to God. Now, the meaning of the name Methuselah, uh, it tells me in the margin of my Bible here that it means when he is dead, it shall be sent. Methuselah means 
when he is dead, it shall be sent. You see, it seems that when God spoke to Enoch around that time when he was 65 years old, he, it seems to me that he had given to Enoch a warning of a judgment to come. And he told Enoch that when your son dies, then the judgment will come upon the world. Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall be sent. And we will notice after this that the judgment to come was the flood. You see? So it seems that Enoch was given warning regarding the flood. And uh, you can just imagine in their household, whenever Methuselah fell ill, alarm bells would start ringing. Because will the flood now come? They would have been doing everything possible to keep him alive. You see, uh, there is further proof for us that uh, this was probably what God told uh, Enoch. Now, Enoch and Methuselah lived in the same time as Noah. If you go to the end of chapter uh, uh, 5, you will see that Noah comes uh, into the picture uh, in verse 28. And if you do your maths, uh, like I did, if you take chapter 5 and you jot down all the ages of everyone that lived, you will see that um, the very year that Methuselah died, the flood came. The very year that Methuselah died, the flood came. Now, why was it that Methuselah lived so long? Well, uh, let us look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20 tells us, right in the middle of the verse there, I want to pick out a sentence. The long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah. The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. People were living a wicked life in those days. And God wanted to judge them. But he gave them every opportunity to change. So he waited and he waited and he waited, giving people an opportunity to change. But you know and I know that only a few turned to God and were in the ark. And so as God waited and he waited and he waited... Methuselah got older and older and older because when Methuselah died, then the flood would come. God had given a warning to Enoch about the judgment that would come. Now, I want you to notice two things. Firstly, divine predictions will always be fulfilled. Whatever God says, the Bible is true it will always come to pass. You see, the man whom God had given this secret to was also privy to another secret. Enoch was not given just this one 
message, he was also given a second message. What was the second message that Enoch was given? Well, let's look at Jude uh, and verse 14. Jude and verses 14 and 15. And it tells us there, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. Now, notice this. Here, Enoch has been told about the second judgment that is to come as well. You see, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. This is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, there were two secrets given to Enoch. The first judgment that would come when his son dies, and also the second one, there is a judgment to come. Now, my brother, my sister, As surely as the first flood came and judgment came upon the entire world and everybody save a few was wiped out, the second judgment will definitely come. God kept his promise at the dawn of mankind in Genesis chapter 6. The people were evil and he will surely Keep his promise the second time. He will come, like he told Enoch, with 10,000 of his saints, and they are coming to judge the world. If you have not yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you to do so now. Don't delay any further, because if you delay, you are leaving yourself open to eternal damnation. You are leaving yourself open to an uncertain future. Today is the time, if you have not yet committed your life to a walk with God, today is the day in which you need to start that. The judgment to come will surely happen, just like the first judgment that did happen. And then secondly, I want you to notice this. That God is a patient God. We worship a God who the first time he gave the warning to Enoch that a judgment is going to come, he waited 969 years. That's how much opportunity that he gave men to change. Almost a thousand years he waited patiently, he waited patiently. And our God is a patient God. He will give you every opportunity to change. But do not abuse the love and the patience that he bestows upon us. You see, there was a man called Felix. And he was also given a warning about the judgment to come. Let's look at Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24 and verses uh, 24 and 25. 
the book of Acts, chapter 24, and verses 24 and 25. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He did not want to take that opportunity. You see, he was told about the judgment to come. But he said, I'll leave it for another day. I'll leave it for another day. I won't make that choice today. I appeal to you, if you have not yet made that choice, don't be like Felix. Don't leave it for another day. You do not know what will happen when you go outside this, the doors of this building. You may say to me, Brother, it's easy for Enoch to have lived a life pleasing to God. Because in those days, we don't have, they didn't have the same temptations that we have now. Let's be honest, that thought did cross your mind, isn't it? You're thinking, okay, it's easy for Enoch, you know. What did he have to go through compared to what, you know, the situation out here now? He could please God. But for us now, all these distractions, everything taking our attention, how is it possible for us to lead a life pleasing to God? Let me show you that he also faced similar pressures just like we face today. And uh, when I was thinking uh, about this, I went back to that verse that we looked at earlier, Jude 14. Just the one chapter in Jude, verse 14. And it said there, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. I was thinking to myself, why did the scripture say, the seventh from Adam? Because it does not go around everywhere in scripture saying for David, the 57th from Adam, or Matthew, the you know 135th from Adam. Why did it say, Enoch, the seventh from Adam. You see, when the Bible tells us something like that, it's very important to pay attention to details on how they address people. And so I went back to uh, Genesis chapter 5, and I counted it out. Okay, you can do later at home. And uh, Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1, you will see the generations of Adam... And you will see that Adam is number one, Seth is number two, and then in verse six, Seth beget Enos, he was the third generation, and then uh, Enos beget Cain in verse, Canaan in verse nine, he was the fourth, and then Canaan beget Mahalil, uh, he was the fifth, and then in verse fifteen, Mahalil beget Jared, that was the sixth generation, and then Verse 18, Jared had Enoch, and yes, he was the seventh generation, the seventh from Adam. And then, 
I thought, okay, well, this doesn't tell me much. Uh, he's the seventh from Adam. And then I decided that I would look on the other side of the family tree, who is the seventh generation, because uh, Adam did not have just the one son. He had more than one. So we go back to chapter 4. And uh, Genesis chapter 4, and we'll look from verses 16 to uh, 24. If you have your Bibles, uh, have a look at this with me, please. Genesis chapter 4 uh, and verse 16 onwards. So, firstly, here's the seventh from Adam in the line of Cain. Okay, So, Adam is number one. Cain is number two, and then Cain had, uh, in verse 17, Enoch, not the same Enoch. He's number three, and then uh, verse 18, Irad, he's four, Mehujal is five, uh, and then uh, Mehujal begat Methusel, he was six, and then in verse 18, at the end of it, Mehusel begat Lamech. He was the seventh from Adam, that means Lamech was living at the same time that Enoch was living in this world. So what type of a man was Lamech? What type of a generation was Enoch living in? Well, let me tell you this. Enoch's counterpart in the line, the seventh from Adam, Lamech, he was a very evil man and they lived at a very, very evil time. For example, Lamech was the first man to deviate from the divine ideal of marriage. One man, one woman. Look at verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 19. And Lamech took unto him two wives for the first time in history. Enoch was living in an immoral day and age. Yet he managed to please God. You think that we are living in bad days? Well, he was living in a day, an age, when they were disregarding God's rules. And yet he managed to please God. And if he could do it, then we can do it. Then I want you to notice another thing. You see, there are two great trends of human activity in the world today. And not only the world today, but right from the start of mankind. And these are the two great strands of human activity. One is industry. The second is agriculture. Take, for example, the flag of communism. Anybody knows what is on the flag of communism? It's the sickle and the hammer, industry and agriculture. That is what man is all about. And you may tell me that, uh, you know, these days we are living busy lives. We have no time to read and study the Bible. We have no time to be leading lives pleasing to God because we are so busy with everyday life. You could tell me that. But I will tell you that Enoch was living in a day and age when they were busy people as well. Take, for example, 
chapter 4, verse chapter 4 and um, verse 17. It tells us there that he builded a city. He builded a city. They were busy building cities. They were busy people. And yet among the busyness of life in that generation, Enoch managed to please God. Then you may tell me that, uh, yes, but we have all this entertainment going on these days. They didn't have all those entertainment things to bother them uh, from, you know, to uh, disturb them from pleasing God. Oh, yes, they did. Have a look at uh, verse 21. And his brother's name was, this is Lamech's brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. Verse 19. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal, Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. You see, there was a surge in entertainment in those days. Newly invented harp, uh, an organ would soothe their conscience and lift their troubled spirits. Why did they need this? Well, you'll notice in verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. After they left the presence of the Lord, they needed to bring entertainment into their life to soothe their troubled spirits. So Enoch was living in a day of entertainment. They were building cities. They were living immoral lives. And yet, he managed to separate himself and lead a life pleasing to God. Then look at verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my wives, my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. You see, Enoch walked with God when there was a culture uh, of glorifying aggression and violence. You see, this is the first so-called poem in the Bible that gloried in violence. It was a day day and age when aggression was glamorized. Enoch managed to live a life pleasing to God. You see, my brother, my sister, this is my point. We are living in similar days today. The world outside will bring everything possible to take your attention away from God. But I'm telling you that back then, man was wicked as well. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 with me. This is the reason why God brought judgment to the world. Genesis 6 verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What was the thoughts in man's heart? Evil continually. In a day and age 
when they were thinking of evil continually, Enoch managed to walk with God. Enoch managed to please God. And I'm thinking that if he could do it, then we can do it as well today. We are living in similar situation. We are living in the last days. When you look at the world around and you see all the evil, just like Enoch faced, uh, there was the um, uh, immorality that was prevalent. There was a busyness of life that was prevalent. There was entertainment. It's all there today. Just like God promised Enoch, a judgment would come. And at the age of 65, he decided to change his life. He decided that he would walk with God. It is not too late if you haven't yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that you could lead a life pleasing to him. What is a life that is pleasing to him? Well, firstly, you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may ask me, how can I do that? Well, all you have to do is, in your heart, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And then you may ask me, what do I do next to please God? Well, the Bible tells us that believe and be baptized you will be baptized next. Then you will attend church regularly. You will fellowship with other believers at the same time as reading your Bible and studying the word of God and seeing how God wants you to lead your life and doing the things that are listed in the word of God. When you take these steps, you will be leading a life that is pleasing to God. And you will be spared from the judgment to come. What was the two promises that God gave Enoch? That there would be a judgment to come just at the flood. And he also told him, with 10,000 of saints, I will return to judge the earth. That the first promise has been kept. The second promise will surely be kept. And before he comes, I pray that there will be none here today that will go away without having made that commitment to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and lead lives that are pleasing to him. It will be too late to do it afterwards. Don't be like that man who said, my Lord delayeth coming. Don't be like Felix who said, mm, Come back another time. I'll wait for the preacher next week. Let's see what he says. No. Don't leave it for another opportunity. Do it now. And then you will surely, surely be saved. One more time. Can you put that slide up please? Hebrews 11 and verse 5. Before his translation, he pleased God. That means you cannot do it afterwards. After he comes, it will be too late. Before, you need to do it now. You do it now, you please God, and then like Enoch, you will be spared from the judgment to come. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for this opportunity that thou hast given for us 
to look into the word of God and to take a lesson for each and every one of us here today. I pray, our Father, that if there's any here this evening or this morning that has not yet committed their lives to Thee, uh, has not yet committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that perhaps they may do so without further delay, that they may understand the very real judgment to come, when we will be judged for our sins, when we will be judged for all the evil that we have done. And we pray, our Father, that if there is any here that have not yet put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may do so now. So, our Father, we pray now that Thou would part us with Thy blessings. We ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.